This week on a lively experiment, the price to go to state beaches may be on the rise. And a proposal to change the schedule for Rhode Island voting appears to be getting traction. A lively experiment is generously underwritten by... For 30 years, a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders. Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program. Joining us this week, Dave Lehman, corporate communications consultant and former news anchor. Donna Perry, public affairs officer for the Rhode Island CPA Society. And Democratic strategist, Rob Horowitz. Hello and welcome. I'm Jim Hummel. If you go to a state beach or a campground in Rhode Island, you may have to pay a little bit more to get in this summer. Under a program that Governor Raimondo and DEM Director Janet Coit kicked off in a listening tour around the state this week, they are trying to raise a million and a half dollars to improve those facilities, but say the individual increases if you go there will be modest. Rob, let me start out with you. We've talked a lot about $10 billion budgets. The governor has said, oh, the Rhode Island promise, it's a relatively small amount. I was kind of curious, a million and a half is not a a lot, but this is why a lot of us live in the ocean state and how that's going to go over with people. If you were, again, if you were advising the governor, is this really what you want to take on for an increase? I think um, setting this up and investing a little more, I think people are willing to pay a little more. I think you have to worry about... um, the amounts being you know too much, but I, but I think because people do love the beaches and love the parks, and there's a clear need to to upgrade them. There's a clear need for infrastructure. Might might be nice to have a few trash cans again. That would be kind of a nice yeah, thing. Right. Um, I I I think the proposal um, is sensible, but it, but you got to kick the tires on it. Make sure you're competitive with other states. Make sure it's not pro- too prohibitive. But I think it'll be relatively well received. I don't think it's going to be the kind of thing that's going to create a ton of backlash so far it hasn't, but we'll have to see. Uh, Well, people always, you know, obviously they complain about any kind of a a fee increase. I would agree that uh, if you did a poll and you asked people what is their understanding about what they like about Rhode Island, even outside the state, I think the coastline is always number one. So I wouldn't argue with uh, the governor wanting to. You you do need to have uh, investment in those beaches, and I think there could be upgrades that are needed even when you talk about facilities or restroom facilities or you know cleanliness and so I think it's um, a modest increase that I I don't think that should set off a lot of uh, you know bells and people say I'm not going to use it I think the out-of-state rate seems to be disproportionately getting where you might turn off uh, that kind of attendance but look this is the state just like the roads and bridges you have to take care of this kind of stuff and it's you know, it's kind of like a infrastructure really is part of it's what the coastline is I about. also wonder how that plays, though, because, and I've heard some people say, we can afford $10 million to send people to college. And, we, you know, we've talked about that ad nauseum. There are a lot of other signature programs. Why can't that be part of a budget? Why do I have to pay more when we have a $10 billion budget? I understand there are probably a lot of these improvements do need to be made. They're the jewels of Rhode Island. Why can't that be absorbed? Why do we have to pay for that? Well, and also this is something that the legislature isn't going to weigh in on. This is going to be done outside the purview of the legislature. Uh, I have the same feeling as you do about it. Why why does this have to be isolated and dealt with uh, separately? Uh, I think a little perspective here. Uh, If you you go to Middletown and you want to go to the beach, you want to have a season pass, 
In Middletown, I think it's now something like uh, $70 for a season pass for residents and $140 for non-residents. Is this at Second Beach? Second Beach. Yeah. And if you go to Narragansett Beach, it's $10 to park and $10 per person to get in. So when you look at that, the state beaches really look like it's a, a really a, a pretty good bargain. And I share, I, I share two points. I think I would like to see trash cans uh, back at the beaches. I, 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 I know... It was uh, trash in, trash out, but sometimes it's trash in, but not out. Yeah, that's <laughs> right? the problem. There, there's still a lot of people who will leave stuff behind. And that, that kind of ruins a beach experience for a lot of people. So, Rob, I think you're right on point there. I think that's something that, that ought to be done. Uh, the one thing I do worry about about beach uh, increases is uh, it's very easy for some of us to think that uh, everybody can afford it. There are a lot of people going to the beach uh, is one way of enjoying a relatively inexpensive day with your family. And I do worry that some people who take the bus to the beach and, uh, and then have to pay a higher, a higher fee at the beach, I do worry about that. But overall, you know what? You still have to pay for it. We are the ocean state, and we certainly want to be sure that if we are the ocean state and we have these great beaches here, they ought to be well well maintained. And in all fairness to the parks uh, people, they have had a I think a two thirds reduction Draw in the number staff, of employees yeah. uh, from 1989 on. So. You know, maybe it's time to put back now that we've taken away. Well, the other thing, too, is, and, and what do, goes unmentioned is Goddard Park, Cold State Park, mm-hmm. all of those are still free. And when I was a kid growing up, they, they you used to have to pay to get in. They still have the little booths there. I am stunned. Now, don't get any ideas if you're watching this <laughs> in the legislature, that they have not at least put a modest increase. And maybe they thought the, mm-hmm. the cost uh, to, to recoup is not going to be worth it. You know, Link Chafee found out the hard way when they do, what did they double the fees years ago and they had to and they had to pull back. Right. So. Right, and it's also wise um, to do a listening tour, and 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 build support for this and hear what people have to say. So I think that's smart. And and there, this is kind of a user fee. Right. I'm, I'm 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 sympathetic to Dave's point. There's for some people, it's going to make it difficult to afford. Maybe there's a way to figure that piece out too, um, without creating something overly bureaucratic. But if, if we're going to invest for the long term, I know we've got a 9 or $10 billion budget, but we've also got structural deficits. You, you do need to come up with revenue. All right. Uh, marijuana is in the news again this week, both medical and uh, the governor has in her budget legalized recreational. Donna, let's start with you on this. There's an awful lot to break down. Channel 12, Walt Buteau did a great job yeah. on the numbers. I Until I saw that piece, I was stunned about how, maybe I shouldn't be stunned, how it's really grown in the medical area. Well, I, I think as uh, the proposal for recre- legalizing recreational appears, you know, going to happen, um, and, and the DBR, I think, is, is doing a good job, and they're trying to lay out what that proposal is going to look like, I think it has to give everyone pause when um, there have <coughs> been problems in the medical marijuana program and how it's been in the oversight and how it's been administered. Some of the things that jumped out, uh, one of every 40 Rhode Islanders, I believe, has a medical marijuana card. Um, And some of the reporting, and then this has been reported elsewhere, there are issues about uh, out-of-state prescribers. uh, Rhode Islanders can get a card from an out-of-state doctor, uh, whether that person is properly vetted to be you know, legitimately giving that card, I think is a separate question and something they have wrestled with, first of all. So I think, you know, who is holding a medical marijuana card? 
the database, the management of that, um, we've seen over, I think over this winter, where law enforcement has said publicly that they had not had access to the database of who was in that. And you say, well, how, how does that, you know, where does that play out? So if you stop someone and they're driving and they say, no, I have a medical marijuana, I had a right to have this. Is it in a database? Yeah, and so I think if you're looking <coughs> at the management of that program, in my view, has to get cleaned up significantly if you're going to then open the floodgates to a well-run, you know, recreational legalization. Another way to look at it is this is really hard to police. Yeah. Uh, you're up to, as you said, 34,000, I think, 35,000 Rhode Islanders. If mm-hmm. you figure out, there's, there's, For, there's some minors, but very few. So, you know, that's, that's a big number on medical marijuana. It's easily available, you know, at, you know in, in every town you know, outside yeah. of medical marijuana yeah. um, and decriminalize. That, I think that's all an argument for legalizing it and that you can go to Massachusetts because this is going to be through? about the police. I don't know whether it will go through this year. I think it will go through. It's a matter of when, not if. I, I, I think I predicted on the end of the uh, end of the year show that it would, was going to go through. If not, I was that was one of my candidates. Uh, I, it may very well be that this will be the year where they get everybody prepared to to pass mm-hmm. it next year. It may be one of those years where it's a little bit like the listening tour uh, the theory that you got to put it out there, get feedback, people get comfortable with it, and then they, they do something next year. And you think of how long it took Massachusetts. Yes. I mean, from mm-hmm. the time they passed Two it to years. the implementation. Right. Two they, years. They did. And, and I, I, as much as, you know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do any of that stuff, never, never had a marijuana joint, but I have to tell you. Can you go to the beach? I go to the beach. That's why I've got nothing else left to do. <laughs> but my point is, I think the state has really no choice in this. I think we have to do it. I know there are those who would say, why, why are we doing this? This is terrible. And they'll point to the fact we're going to have, uh, you know, mobile phone sports betting. We've got sports betting. Uh, we're, we're doing the marijuana thing. And what, what was the third one? Uh, Legalizing prostitution. Oh, prostitution. <laughs> we'll yeah. get to that in a minute. Yeah, just, right. Just one observation, though. Um, if you look to Massachusetts and, and how they've done and they haven't done it all correctly, but two things jump out. It took, they spent two years. Once it was the referendum, the public wanted it. And by the way, something gets lost here. Governor uh, Charlie Baker, as a governor, he did not want it. He did not put it in a budget. So we have a different dynamic here. And that, that's just uh, maybe not a small point, but that's an important point. That was driven by a statewide referendum. This is a very deep-pocketed industry. The cannabis industry is quite deep-pocketed. Um, they have done a phenomenal job at, I think, rebranding something from not a drug as it's an herb and it's an edible and it's all these, you know, things. And, you know, it, there's a lot, there's a long laundry list. That's all I'll say that, uh, and I think law enforcement has a lot of concerns and they want to be at the table as a lot of the regulations come on board. Um, the flip side, though, is, and, and law enforcement has some legitimate concerns, particularly in, in trying to figure out how you, how you do driving under the influence because you need to train everybody in drug recognition. And that's clearly a gray area than just, a, you know, what happens with alcohol where there's a blood test. On the other hand, um, there, there's a lot of far-sighted law enforcement people who say, we don't want to enforce any of this. We've got way more important things to, to worry about than, than marijuana, which is widely used. Yeah which arguably is no more and, and may perhaps less damaging than alcohol. And we've got a big opioid crisis problem. Um, there's not a relationship between marijuana, marijuana and, opi- and opioids. 
So, so well, the question not, is, should we focus? That's not completely correct that there's not a relationship between early marijuana use and graduating to opioid use. I mean, there's the, you, people use different studies for different... I didn't uh, mean to interrupt you. No, but no, I mean, no, 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 no. I, I, I think the prepon- as preponderance evidence suggests there's not much of a relationship, but it's, we, we can agree to disagree on that. Um, so I just think that a, a more farsighted um, approach, just my view, obviously, is let's legalize it. It's important to regulate it right. It, People can go across the border and get it anyway. People can get it illegally. Let's focus our law enforcement resources on bigger problems. All right. The, uh, to be continued. Uh, the newly elected mayor of East Providence might not be getting much sleep in the next couple of weeks because he has instituted a new uh, directive that every single piece of information that comes out of the police, fire, or otherwise has to go through the mayor's office. Dave, we've seen a lot of mayors come and go. We've seen a lot of police chiefs come and go. This was a colossally unbelievable. Mayor Bob DeSilza, I'm sure he's a nice guy. It's, I've, well, Buddy Stancy used to control his police department, but apart from him, yeah. the practicality, and this came because they had this, uh, they had this horrible accident in East Providence. It was on President's Day, and they were trying to get information <laughs> from the police, and they said, well, I'm sorry, it's got to go through the mayor's office, right. and nobody's there. Right. Just, you're a corporate communications mm-hmm. consultant. Can you give the mayor of East Providence a little piece of advice here? My piece of advice would be, uh, if you want to get some sleep, be sure you you delegate some of this uh, responsibility for the media to the people who should. Uh, It's been my experience, and I will tell you, when I was news director at Channel 6 for a period of time, we had a clash with the Providence Police Department. Uh, we, We couldn't get information after hours for a period of time. And uh, I raised holy hell about that. I got the other news directors in town to, to, to join me in, in basically saying we need to have somebody available. Now, this wasn't a question of the mayor, but the bottom line on it is they backed away. I had one, one uh, uh, head of detectives at the time said, you'll never have my home phone number, Dave. Never. <laughs> I had it in a week, wow. you know, because somebody realized that this was not a smart way to go. Now, in all fairness to the mayor, I do think... He has backtracked on this, and I think he is saying it was a bit of a communication problem. Now, that's not a good thing when you're dealing with a communication issue. You don't want to have problems with that. That's the basic thing you're trying to do. So I think he has backed away from it a bit, and I think that's smart. He's new on the job. So, you know, maybe this was his But he's also a police officer in Pawtucket. It's not like he was a banker. The other thing is, I I understand and I believe, look, you you deal with politicians all the time. You want to make sure the message and the information that gets out is correct. So would you have advice on this or? I I would agree. Uh, From my expert corporate communications, because Dave Lehman just gives some very good advice. No, I. I agree. First of all, you don't want to own all of this every yeah. time. So even just right. from, from a self-preservation elected <laughs> official point of view, <laughs> right. if, something's, if, if, yeah. if the police say something screwy, then you can always fix it and step in and be the hero. But you've got to trust your people. But you have to, to trust your people. You have to right. empower your people. And he, to the best of my knowledge, he's not a full-time mayor, right? It's a town No, this is the point. first. So he yeah. this, uh, I mean, he changed in East Providence, and now he is. He is it's a strong he's mayor, full-time strong mayor, and he's guy. full-time now. Right. Okay. Hey, just lastly, I don't, this is an open question. Had there been other incidents where the EP police are, you know, handling very poorly with the media. I'm not... I'm, well, they're in a bit of a question. transition because the longtime chief, Chris yeah. Barella, is retired. So mm-hmm. that, that may be, have been part of it for him. Look, we're in a little bit of a leadership okay. gap, mm-hmm. so let's have it come through us. But as you can imagine, I mean, when Tim White got his teeth into this, <laughs> you yeah, know, right. there's nothing, as you said, there's nothing worse than a, a media wanting wanting an issue. So. Well, and, and it's, it's also, uh, there's also a public safety concern. Sometimes you need this information... 
uh, it, it's not just, uh, you know, if somebody was injured in a car accident and you want that information, but it could be a situation where there is a threat to the community and you need to get the name of the person out there who is the assailant or the person that is a person of interest for the police. You want to be sure that that information gets out because sometimes, you know, it's sort of like a, a stroke. You don't want to fool with a stroke beyond three hours or you could be in serious trouble. So time becomes very important in getting some of that information yeah. out. If the mayor's away or, or at a party and you can't reach him, I mean, you know. And today, it, you, it, you know, office. police departments, I think, generally do a good job, the Rhode Island State Police, that, you know, they're tweeting it out right. within, you know, 20 minutes of something. So you, you just don't, in today's, you know, expectation mm -hmm. of fast media, I yeah, don't think you have time to have a meeting cycle. and... In right. the town hall. Well, we'll report back to you if that yeah, uh, yeah. changes. Whether uh, I think he has changed it. Yeah. I think he has. All right. Um, we talked about this last week, early voting and uh, moving the primary to the third week of August. Secretary of State uh, Nellie Gorbea uh, is proposing both of those things. New panel, new week. I wanted to get your take on this. Uh, so, Rob, let's talk first about moving the primary. Because you know in other states it's like April, May, June, right? I would, uh, just from a partisan Democratic point of view, I'd love to see it in June or May. Because what happens in these September primaries, I've been in a few of them, is um, it's hard to put it back together. If yeah. you have a very contested primary, um, you know, people stop hating each other by maybe January and the elections in November. So, and also, I have a concern about the third week in August as a vacation week. So I, if, if you're going to do it, I Because you're at Scarborough paying more to go to the beach. <laughs> there you right? go. There you go. So maybe I won't vote. What about, early, what about early voting? Um, I like early voting, but I think if you're going to move the primary, move it, move it to May or June. What's the magic of August? Well, the magic of August is the sitting legislators who have candidates out while they're uh, making the backroom deals in May and June. Just kidding. Uh, uh, all of that legislative, they, they would say, well, that's one less day and my guy's out campaigning. So that's a actually that's a very good point, Jim. You're, right? you're making a very good point. Legislation here gets passed in June, right? And uh, these guys don't want to be fooling around with anything else other than you know. I mean, you're, you've just made concentrating a very good point. on the. I, I think this, and uh, as what has sort of brought this to light too, is this increasing use of the emergency mail ballot, which which is you know there was which a back and forth. Early voting. Well, someone yeah, can, if I understand it, I mean, they can go in their town hall. I'm not going to be around on, you know, November 8th, and, and I want to do my ballot. And I think the problem and where fraud is opened up to, if, if that individual is not giving a valid government-issued photo voter ID, I think that's going to be the crust of the issue here with, with these both of these bills. And if the Secretary of State is not requesting anyone who votes, whether it's through that ballot early or on Election Day, should have to show if you have voter ID, you have it for every single ballot. But don't you and, think the early voting would cut down on showing. that? Because as opposed to the ballot going out yeah. and can be tampered with, you have to go to your gov your board of canvassers or whatever ID. it is, show it, and yes. if it's twenty days or fifteen days, and people say, well, you know, things happen at the end Not before that bad. guy in Montana who assaulted the reporter two days before the election. Well, that's buyer beware, right? Voter beware. But, that but don't you think that cuts down on the potential for fraud if you have to go to yes. go to town? Hall? Well, sure, if you go to town hall, but you should have to show a valid photo voter ID, government-issued ID. And I, I think if you look at what um, uh, at the even the board of directors said, if wasn't his quote, board if people elections, only yeah. knew at BOE, he said if people only knew 
how, how close they came. chaotic it was. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's a good sign. Yeah. I mean. And that is a reason, I think we all agree, that is a reason for early voting because the new system ties that. More and, control. And give more people a chance to vote, but have, have whatever the pr- proper procedures are in place. In terms of the, the primary, though, just to come back to that, I mean, I understand the legislative concern. Tons of states, they all have legislators. Legislatures, New Jersey, you can, you can name them, California, they all have earlier primaries. So there's a way to work that. So, again, so I, I would be for, you know, June or May, not August. Okay. Uh, we, have, we have a lot of national stuff to get into, but let's, uh, let's do outrageous first. Dave, let's start with you. Have you ever driven down Rhode Island's neighborhood streets or highways and you see... Our streets and highways are in bad shape to begin with, so let's stipulate that. They're getting better, but you go down there and you see this nice slice of the of the pavement has been cut open because they had to do some repair work <laughs> underneath it. And over a period of a few months, suddenly that dips down, and you're banging over it day in and day out, day in and day out. And that has driven me crazy for years because they come in there and it looks like they had, uh, you know, Manny and Joe come in there and do a patch-up job, you know, you know, around 4 o'clock on a Friday and you get it done by 6 and they're out of there and, and then the rest of us have to deal with this. Well, that's, that's my outrage of the week. My kudo is the two state lawmakers have come up with a bill, uh, Mike McCaffrey, Senator McCaffrey, and uh, Representative McNamara. Both out of Warwick. They both, they both have come up with a bill that would deal with this. They would say that when utilities go in there and they do this work, they have to restore that roadbed to the quality that it was before they went in there and cut it. And it has to go from side to side. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, that's going to be adding more expense to whatever repair work they're doing. But if you think about it, every car that goes over there and bangs on that, they're, they're ruining shock absorbers, tires, rims, uh, God knows what else. And in the, in the long run, it's going to save us all money if this is done properly. So my congratulations to them for identifying a problem that I think has been way too long in being resolved. And uh, so kudos to them. Let's hope that bill goes through. Rob, what do you have? Um, and just just to build on that, that'll be my semi-kudo. Then I'm going to get to my outreach because I know how much you love kudos, Jim. <laughs> Which is there are towns and cities around the country who have who've done exactly that bill, and, and it does pay off. It saves you money in the long run, and it and makes the roads a lot better. And it's great for cities to pass that because the city <clears throat> gets blamed for the bad roads, even though it's uh, most of the time it's the utilities not doing a patch-up job. My, my outrage is um, President Trump's rejection of facts and reason and and his uh, belief that he can um, live in an alternative reality and convince us all that reality. Um, he rejects Daniel Patrick Moynihan's famous statement that you're entitled to your own opinion, not your own facts. This week, there was a leak about they're going to try to form some kind of uh, semi-quasi-fake climate change commission to, with climate change deniers on it as opposed to looking at all the studies the military has already done that says climate change is occurring. Now, you can decide about what you want to do about it. That's a reasonable debate, but there's not a whole lot of doubt that climate change is, is occurring it's because of science. Last week, when he was trying to defend his national emergency, um, he, people raised questions about the fact that um, immigrants don't commit more crime. In fact, they commit less. As opposed to coming back with facts, he just said, that's fake news. I don't believe that. You know, uh, I don't believe that for the president. It's not a sufficient answer. If he has, if he has actual evidence and actual facts, present them. Well, he, you're coming he, at this and, all too logically. And, and, <laughs> and he was 
challenged on that by reporters saying our own government figures, your government, Mr. President, has these figures showing that the incidents have gone down to almost uh, not, not non-existent, but very, very low. And he said, well, I've got my I've got other facts. But he refused to say what what other facts he has. I think it's mostly his attitude, not his facts. But, but, he's got the world. I'm sorry, I, he's got the world's best facts mm-hmm. that he won't share with us. But, but I would say just to, and this just to follow up on that, uh, and I'm not supporting everything Trump does. I'm not so sure not. he's going to lose. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm saying from the pure uh, legal analysis that I have followed, I'm not so sure he's going to lose in these court challenges. It, because if you look at the the baseline, maybe you know this better. I mean, it, it, a president is given wide latitude. So it, he's not arguing his immigration theories. This is a pure, right, in the court. When so you, you I get, guess I'm just saying, like, I, right. I think it's going to be curious if he prevails. As to what uh, I think those are two he, different arguments. Though. Well, yeah, yeah. but you were talking about the emergency, the emergency order right. is in the courts. He, I thought yeah. that's what we he, were He may <laughs> prevail in court. There's a wide latitude. There's the National Emergencies Act. Yeah. Uh, usually courts are reluctant to say this isn't an emergency. They defer the president. Where he's got some real legal issues is, is his... Um, basically repurposing funds. And, and some of that's funds deliberately from military construction. Which so, has always been Congress's so we'll say, it, yeah, it, it could go It could go either way in the courts. My broader point is that he may claim a victory, although he, he is doubling down on a strategy that, that gave him the, the greatest yeah. midterm losses since 1974. So. Well, he's also uh, un, un, has undone his own argument by saying publicly at his news conference that... Uh, you know, I didn't have to do this right away, uh, you know, I, I, but I decided to do this to just kind of accelerate it. Well, if it's an emergency, my, my definition of an emergency, I think right the now. common man's definition is it's something that's got to be dealt with right here and now. Then you don't go to Mar-a-Lago and, uh, and, and play golf on the weekend. I mean, this he... he, he, un, he uh, All right, boys, let's not short Donna on her outrage here. We're going off on a tangent. Donna, what do you have? I know. So much to pick from every week. Um, I would say, though, that Jesse... The Jesse's smaller um, case kind of jumps out. I mean, um, I think there's so many different per- angles on why this is such a glaring story. First of all, I think um, that the Chicago PD, you know, you don't mess around with them with a fabricated report. And even though, as we are taping today, he's still claiming there's another side to the story. I, I think they have him hands down. Yeah, I'd have, be happy to hear that. They other have side, texts right? and phone calls. He plotted this out. Uh, and I think that this, the fact that it, it hasn't been a great week or two weeks for national media outlets, I think that sort of embarrassing uh, softball interview with, with Good Roberts. Morning America, yeah. Robin Roberts. I mean, you know, the fact that he made this claim. He throws in for good measure. They were wearing, you know, the uh, hats. MAGA hats and the whole thing, you know. So I think um, the motivation, if it was for becoming bigger in his own career, is is a, you know, very crazy motivation. But I, I just think in how the media was quite willing to go along with what he was alleging. Uh, and I think a lot of other media critics, and, mm-hmm. you know, you're long-time seasoned in media, the fact that they dropped the word alleged when it was him saying it. You know, they weren't saying the perpetrators allegedly did this. There was, there's, you know, I they just They bought think, into it right away. Yeah, I think I, there's a lot of right. really bad behavior on media yeah. in this particular case, and mm-hmm. I think he also does damage when we know there are 
racist incidents going on. They are on the rise in the country. And I think that you do damage because now you've given ammunition to the other side to say, oh, people fabricate these racist incidents. So I, I think it's, it's just a big mess. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a, going to be a very difficult thing on a lot of levels. All right, folks. Believe it or not, that is all the time we have. Has some other things we wanted to get into. We'll do that after the show, or you can discuss them amongst yourself at home. Uh, Dave and Donna and Rob, thank you for coming in, and thank you for joining us every week. We love bringing this show to you. And you know what? We'll be back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues. Have a great week, everybody. experiment is generously underwritten by for 30 years a lively experiment has been helping us understand the most important issues facing Rhode Islanders hi I'm John Hazen White jr. and I'm proud to be a sponsor of this great program 